Um, couple things. Yeah. One. So last time I was here, it was a little chilly out when I was riding my bike home, and I, Quinn gave me the softest sweatshirt in the history of the universe. Brought it back because I'm really good about that. But feel a little sad. No, better. I was like, this is a really, and I like put it on the next day. Like fully, it was like, yeah, I'm cold. I'm putting this shit on. Yeah. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, are these pockets? <laughs> they're pressed. And then I like opened it up and it was like, you're just whole boob. It's a nursing it's a sweatshirt. Nursing sweatshirt. <laughs> I and I was like, you, you didn't tell me that, but I really appreciated this surprise. <laughs> I was like, well, probably not going to steal this. But I love just like, what if you were like, I'm feeling a little warm. I'm just going to release <laughs> one of my breasts and that should, that should get me about the right well, temperature. Nice. Well, well, like I have stuff has pit zips. Exactly. I never understood the pit zip, but mm-hmm. it's so that you can keep it zipped up and secure, but cool off a little. Cool off, cool off. Yeah. <laughs> so you just unzip the pit zip. So I like a tit zip. I like a, a tit zip. zip. Also, the thing I want to share with you is I was out outside having some drinks in the beautiful day yesterday. I'm still so sad I didn't go to the aquarium with your family. It really hurt. But oh, yeah, you blew it. Yeah. I totally blew it. But I was with my friend Allison. And I won't say her last name. But we, we all know Allison. And so we went, got some tacos. Bullshit. $6 tacos. They're on the tiny piece. Come on. If you're doing a $6 taco, give you, it. You... you you're a fool, because you know what I did yesterday? I made fucking, for the first time in my life... Go fuck yourself. Beer-battered fish tacos. I've never done a beer batter. I've never was it battered. So it was it, it was I'm so good. It was so good, and it was so easy, and I'm so surprised that that was my first foray into beer battering anything. Well, chances are you'll do it again. I've wasted my life, it turns out. I feel better, because chances are you'll do it again. Oh. Do you mix flour with beer? flour and i think it's like baking soda and beer baking soda or baking powder whatever that shit magic if you want chicken Witchcraft. wings put a little baking powder on it and it crisps them up in the oven nice really wild anyway moral of the story is you're gonna do it again let's not have any love lost i just had like a phone call a meeting laundry writing session so i couldn't go with your family which sucked um well, Regardless. we went to the aquarium. We had a great time. We saw uh, sharks. We saw spineless creatures uh, in their I exhibit loved it. titled Spineless. Um, we got probably my... the world's best French fries. <gasps> For some reason, the aquarium Quinn. has the world's best French fries. Wait a minute. And I really? was waiting in line and Co goes, hey, mama. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you know what Papa called these when he was little? And I was like, what? And he's like, hots. And he, like, remembered that from a really old conversation That's he had really with cute. Matt. That's a good name for French fries. Also, Pops. were they the best French fries in the world yesterday, or are they just the best fries in general? Like, No, no. They you really know how it. to do French fries at the aquarium. You'll it's, go back, though, this year. We got a pass. Sexy. I here's Based the th- on the fries. Actually, if I'm honest, it was based on they had a rooftop bar where you could get not only those fries, but you could get a glass of rosé for a pretty reasonable, you know, reasonable New York York price. price. I think it was like eight or nine dollars. Here was the thing. They had kids working the bar, which I love to see. And the kids don't know better. So they fill 
your wine glass like they fill the beers. They just fill it to the rim. This is Quinn they loves don't know. child labor in one instance. That's one reason why. A bar. Yes, they don't I know, love children working children at bars. Children working at bars is honestly top priority. Top they don't billing. know better. You can tell them, I want to order this special vodka cocktail. It's two-thirds vodka, a spritz of seltzer. <laughs> And you can just ring me in for vodka soda. If you've got that button on the computer, that'll do. Um, what POS you rocking? What POS? <laughs> um, that's point of sale, not piece of shit. Uh, I See, I feel like nowadays, if ever I'm out outside eating, if there's fry option, I get it immediately because after a year of pandemic... Nobody knows how to transport fries, so I'm fucking getting the fucking fries. Right. With a side of mayo for dipping. If they got a spicy aioli, sure. Here's bring the it thing. On. They didn't have they didn't have mayo at the aquarium. What? So that's one count against them. I'm gonna have to BYOM I think next B- time. Biome. Yes. Biome. And that's that's that works with the aquarium too, the biome. Biome. BYOM. Yeah. Mayo that's biome. how I'll remember to do it. Here's the thing. Considering I'm, Matt travels with soy sauce. And olive oil in his backpack. Genius. I mean, you throw Married a couple mayo a reason. Pack. I mean, that is... When I, he showed me in his backpack, I was like, what other tricks has he got in there? Yeah, he does a mini Tabasco sometimes. I mean, he's a genius. So... Here's the thing I need you to understand, though. When we joined the aquarium, I was very clear with Matt. Because he was like, really? You want to join the aquarium? And I was like, yeah, here's the thing, Matt. That's my favorite bar in New York. It looks at the beach. It's on top of a structure looking at the beach and the ocean. And there's a kid giving you too much wine. It's everything I like about going to a bar that aquarium bar satisfies. So I was like, it may be a very expensive cover charge to pay $170 a year to go to my favorite bar. But in the end, I feel like it's worth it. I'm doing it. How much would it be for layman me to go? We can take you on the... On the pass? On the pass? You have guests? Yes. Every time we go, we can bring a guest. That means I buy your drink, which is cheaper. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. This is Or I buy the side of fries, and it's, like, cheaper. What I'm saying is, is if I go for fridge and beer. you're getting ahead of the game. Here's what happened. I love that. No, it's very sad, actually. Here's what happened. I got the membership, and then we got to the aquarium. Matt got to the aquarium a few weeks ago and he's like, I have to tell you something when they got home. I was like, how was the aquarium? And he's like, here's the thing, Quinn, the bar's closed. And I was like, what do you mean the bar's closed? And he's like, the bar is closed. They said it's because of COVID, which it's an open air situation and they are an indoor outdoor aquarium. So very, very confusing. The gift shop is open. Why is the bar closed? I obviously wrote them a letter of concern immediately and was like, some of us might have, I'm not naming any names. But some of us might only join the aquarium because of said Some bar. of us thought we were paying a cover charge for a bar when we joined the aquarium and are very disappointed to learn all we might get from our membership is fish. <laughs> that we can't even eat. Please advise. So you went, wait, just to clarify, you went to the aquarium and then came home and made beer battered fr- fish. Noted. Okay. That, that puts trick. you in the mood. Puts you in the mood. So It's like watching Super Size Me being like, I want a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that is what happened to me when I saw that movie. So Same. basically, I wrote them a letter of concern. They wrote me back a very non-committal letter that they may open the bar this season and haven't decided. And so I went to the aquarium all I could get was fries. Oh, Obviously, boy. I had to bring my own wine. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
very stressful because so I not feel only like have I to blew do mayo, it. You have to bring wine. I, I don't know. think you. I blew have it. to keep going to the aquarium just to see the fish. Kind Co- of just color like the the fish, doesn't he? Yeah, Coa does Here's like the, good the news. You know, Coa likes to be clear. I the way I like the bar Coa over the fish. the fish. Coa likes the gift shop. <laughs> He's like, Mama, can we please hang out in the gift shop? And I'm like, Sure. So we go in there, and he just like picks up everything and is and like loves all the different things. Never asks to buy anything or take anything home, but loves the gift shop. You got like you. I don't know what you did. This is a hot tip to all you parents out there. Co also one of Coa's favorite spots is the dollar store. <laughs> and he also it's knows true. he doesn't buy like I think the nice thing is when you bring him in there, you're like, we're not buying anything. Now this is going home, but we can look. And he's like, cool. It's like a museum. This is amazing. I mean it's a toy museum. It's a toy museum. And I think what's really good about that is he's not expecting anything to buy. And like when he does, it's a real treat. You know what was like weird? one time he got a dollar from someone yes. and you were like, ah, he's like, Oh, we could go to the dollar store. And they went to the dollar store and it was like it was a dollar oh two. Can't buy it. <laughs> the worst mom. I was like, you don't have enough money. <laughs> I think that's he a good like, healthy huh. way of <laughs> <laughs> what is this dollar worth anyway? And you're like, exactly. Nothing. Really. These not days much. not much. But what I loved about it was, you know, he goes to these places and he's not like, I want this. I want he doesn't I think that's actually better for you, your sanity, his sanity. Like everyone benefits in this and then you don't have crap all over your house like everyone kind of benefits from this methodology that i want to just distill to our dear listeners dear readers <gasps> well what am i doing right you're you're not buying him shit oh that's it okay like that's easy goes, i can keep doing that he's not expecting to get anything from these places so he doesn't throw a tantrum if he doesn't get it correct do you know mm-hmm. um no but i wanted to finish what i was saying so i went out with allison and tacos bullshit six dollars for a small shrimp taco was left so hungry so i was talking to allison and we're both single um and i get a text from her she came home and apparently she asked alexa she said alexa will i die alone and alexa then provided her the number to a suicide prevention hotline (gasps) that's great how amazing is that oh that's great and i think allison probably was like a little tipsy from a marg and like Ask the question. Thank you, Alexa. Hey, thanks, Alexa. Is that her over there? You know who I want to shout out? <gasps> Our new Patreon subscribers. Yeah, why not? Oh, how about Kimberella? Kimberella, thank you so much. Under my Kimberella, Ella, Ella, love you, love you, really do. <laughs> um, Sarah, you know what? I'll be, I'll give Sarah like a fun bachelor bachelorette name sarah p you know sarah. like we don't usually say a last name but i just there's a lot of sarah's sometimes sarah so p. i feel like sarah p like he's going and on a date with sarah like, R tomorrow. patreons like what if someone goes on the bachelorette and they're like or bachelor and they're like sarah p patreon subscriber <laughs> well have profession. you seen their careers that's not far off exactly that's why i think it'd be funny if their career's <laughs> patreon subscriber they'll get picked She's just so brave. She is. She's vulnerable. She's brave. And she's a Patreon subscriber. But, you know, since she got here, I really feel like she's had a target on her back. (laughs) (laughs) 
you mind if I just cut in for a minute? Can I just? It's, I don't watch The Bachelor. I just read the You're drama. Out. For, I read the drama of it after. It's so excellent. Like my favorite from this year is I just watched clips of Queen Victoria, that woman. I haven't seen this year, so please, no spoilers. I haven't seen it either. I just like wa- like like to just look at the drama and not commit to the episodes. I've never seen an episode of The Bachelor, but I know some of the drama. So we got this story from on Facebook from a guy named Brian Orr. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Bye, Brian. You probably hate that. I'm so sorry. He sent the story of Dorothea Puentes. Basically, thank you, Brian, for bringing this story to our attention. Love it. He um, lived in um, in a suburb of Sacramento near where this happened, and he was 10 or 11 when, like, all this shit came out. So I feel like you probably know more than I do, but let's see where we end. I'm doing... I got this information from Wikipedia, Crime Museum, Murderpedia, Oxygen, Alcatraz East, Bustle, History, Fox News. For the record, all of the information on every article was the same. <laughs> Don't you but hate she that? read them all. I looked at them and you're like, well, and also for the record, I did do research after a margarita. So let's see how much sense this makes. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a journey together. Disclaimers are already come at you. So her name is Dorothea Puentes is what we end up as. Mm-hmm. But Dorothea Gray is what she's born as. So she's born in California. It's 1929. Great Depression knocking on your door. She had a really fucking hard upbringing, which I feel like we always talk about these cases. And it's like, they had a hard upbringing. So you're like, you know she's not going to be good news. Because <laughs> you're already making excuses <laughs> for her already, lifestyle. Exactly. You're, you're finding out like, ooh, rough. So she had alcoholic parents. Her father would threaten suicide in front of his kids. Um, he ended up dying from tuberculosis. And then a year later, his her mother lost custody of the kids, of them. So she ended up in an, an orphanage where she was sexually abused. And then her mother died in a motorcycle accident. Yeesh. Um, so at 16, she gets married to husband number one. Weirdly, 16-year-old doesn't last, but she ends up having two daughters. One she said to live with family in Sacramento, and one she put up for adoption. She then had a miscarriage in 1948, and then husband number one left. Copy that. I feel like that says a lot about someone if they have kids and then they give them all away. It depends why they give them away. Here's my thing. I have lately, I have been reading so many terrible things and in the news this week was the woman in new york that killed her twins um that were a few weeks old and see that it's really 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 sad for a lot of reasons but it leaves me wanting to just say please feel free to give away your children please you know what call me i don't have a lot of space but Bring Cole on. and I sleep in a king. We've got a little got room. room. Um, I can't wait till you be like really I think there's Wonka. a lot of moms that listen to this podcast that also feel like they have room. Meaning, like, if you are going to do something bad to a child, just consider getting rid of them instead. Because there's lots of us out there that we're here for you. We'll, you know, we'll take yeah. your kid. There's a whole system in place, I believe, called the foster system. Or an adoptive system. Or the adoptive system. Adoption. Adopt. 
Yeah. Whatever. I'm not is. clear on the I'm titles. I'm not clear folks. on the titles. No, no, no. But despite I the fact that one of my sisters came from <laughs> one of those systems, both, I'm not clear on that Who either. Knows? She just showed She's up. She's your one sister, day. and that's all that fucking matters. Yeah, I don't ask questions. Why um, would you? Here's In the fact, thing. it's probably less creepy than thinking about your parents having sex, arguably. Well, now guess what I'm thinking about. Harry, please leave. <laughs> All right, back to that's just my my uh, basically disclaimer. Just don't hurt your kids. Um, so <laughs> Carrie with the PSAs. It's early, folks, and she had a mark. So in 1948, after husband number one left, she's found out forging checks. She gets busted. She goes to jail four months. 1952, she gets out of jail. This woman can keep a man down. She gets married to husband number two. She gives herself a new name. She kind of has like a fake identity. She claims she's like Egyptian Muslim, you know, spoiler, she's not. Um, Her husband works on ships and while he's away, she has guys come over and she gambles all his money. Cool. Cool. However, 1960, she's arrested because she had a brothel that she claimed was like a bookkeeping firm in Sacramento, but she was running a brothel. And so she was sentenced to 90 days in jail. It's so weird that's illegal, but go on. That a brothel is illegal? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Also, like, let women be an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Like, let her run her business. Leave her alone. Let her run her business. (laughs) Except uh, husband number two then had her committed for drinking, lying, criminal behavior, and suicide attempts. And there she was diagnosed as a pathological liar and with an unstable personality. Guess what? They get divorced. She then changes her identity again. And this time she's like, I am a nice, safe Christian lady. In 1968, she gets married to nut guy number three. This guy is the Puentes. So here we are, Dorothea Puentes. And number three, 16 months later, they get separated because of domestic abuse Um, She tries to get a divorce, but he flies to Mexico and, like, the divorce proceedings are held up until 1973. After the divorce, she's in Sacramento. She starts running a boarding house. As this nice Christian lady, she starts helping the underprivileged, the shadow population, as I think they call it, which is, like, elderly, homeless, you know, addicted folks or folks who are dealing with addiction Um, including alcoholics, and she would host AA meetings at this boarding house. And then she would take all these people in and she'd teach them how to sign up for Social Security. And then she was known around town as funding charities and scholarships. She meets husband number four. After a week, they separate. Um, And in 1970... After a week, huh? I think they're getting wiser. The marriages are getting shorter and shorter. I think she's Mm. like... she's. She's doing that thing where she's like, I'm super cool chick. And then she's really revealing herself sooner after. Night of. Night of. She's (laughs) like, psych. (laughs) Got you. Gotcha. What she would do is she would sign people up for Social Security. And then she would collect all the checks and then pay them a stipend and be like, I took the rest for your fees. But she took a lot of fees. Um, So in 1978, she was charged with illegally cashing 34 state and federal checks that belonged to her tenants. She was served five years probation and ordered $4,000 in restitution. 1982, she's living in a boarding house. She has an apartment. This woman, 61-year-old Ruth Monroe, starts living with her in her upstairs apartment. She dies from an overdose of codeine and Tylenol. So, like, the pills they give you after your wisdom teeth. She has an OD. Puentes is like, you know, 
She was really depressed. Her husband was just diagnosed with a terminally ill, terminally ill illness. A terminal illness. <laughs> a terminally ill illness. It's Stanin. <laughs> and this is where you find out, or you've already known, Carrie's an idiot this whole time. She's this old Christian, old bitty. Even though she's got a full rap sheet, they believe her, and Ruth Monroe is listed as a suicide. A couple weeks later, 74-year-old Malcolm McKenzie, he calls the police, and he's like, whoa, 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 she drugged me and she's stealing from me. She's convicted of that. They don't take a look at Ruth <laughs> still. This is weeks later. And they're like, that, no, 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 but that was a suicide. She was really fucking old and sick and couldn't really walk. But yes, she walked herself to her pills, took all of them, and died. Suicide. Easy said than done. Um, so Malcolm McKenzie gets her in jail. She's in there for five. She's sentenced to five years for the theft. While she's in jail, she gets a little pen pal with this guy. Um, oh, no. I wrote his name. Hold on. Everson. I wrote it down and it auto-corrected to everyone. And I was like, what? <laughs> she meets every man and it turns into a biblical tale. <laughs> <laughs> she meets everyone. No, she meets... Uh, she starts... <laughs> she meets everyone. everyone. She starts chit-chatting with this guy, Everson Gilmeth. He's 77 and they become pen pals. And after three years of serving her five-year sentence, he picks her up in a red Ford pickup. So cute. And then in November of that year, she hires this guy to come and do some housework, like some classy wood paneling. We Mm -hmm. love to see it. And for the labor, and he pays her $8, she sells him the Red Ford pickup that belonged to Everson. Mm. She's like, my boyfriend lives in L.A. By the way, she's old, but I'm going to voice her like this. My boyfriend lives in L.A., so he doesn't really need it anymore. And the guy's like, chill, chill, chill. And she's like, okay, and also while you're here, would you do me a huge solid and can you create a box? The dimensions are going to be six foot. Picture just body size. Like, like <laughs> it might, like, some people be like, is that a coffin? <laughs> Lols. No. Um, but it is six foot by three foot by two foot. <laughs> but it's chill, chill, chill. It's only for books. The guy's like, I got a truck. Sure, okay, let's do it. So he builds this box. She fills it. Nails it shut, and then she says to him, she goes, you know what? Can you do me a favor? Can you can you help me drop it off at storage? And he's like, okay, cool, let's do it. So while they're in the storage with all her, quote, books, she then goes, you know what? Turn over here. And they're on a riverbank at, like, an undisclosed, like, junkyard. And she's like, just drop them off. My storage <laughs> bin's at the bottom of this hill. Just <laughs> kick it down. I'm sure it'll make it in. I'm sure. It's now to also don't look. So they drop the box off. A couple weeks later, a fisherman sees it. They open it. They find, lo and behold, the remains of an elderly man. All the while, Puentes is writing letters to Everson's family, being like, oh, he's so sick. He can't come to the paper. Don't worry. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. And she's she cashing keeps writing his... that. He's still alive. That <laughs> seems pretty suspect. So she's cashing his pension checks mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. His body is not identified for like three years because his family believes she's alive. Well, she wrote it so many times. How could they not? How could they not? So all this while, she's also taking in 40 new tenants at her boarding houses. And they're all older people. And she gets this rap known um, by social workers because she takes in really difficult, challenging cases. 
So she starts taking everyone in like abusive tenants or addicts. And she collects, she does what she did before, where she collects all of their checks, pockets it, gives them a stipend. So they're, quote, none the wiser. Part of her parole at this time, too, was to, quote, stay away from elderly people and not handle government checks. That was a part, because of her history, that's was that was what her parole, it was so specific. Wow. It was like, hey, because you have a history of drugging and stealing from old folks and stealing their government checks, just like to cover all, stay away from old folks and don't touch government checks. She had a parole officer come in and check on her Got 15 it. times during this time. Oh. No one made any documentation that Ooh. she was running a boarding house and handling all their government checks. Like, I don't know. Someone lost their jobs. I I doubt it. Maybe they were... One hopes. So neighbors started noticing some weird stuff happening over at Dorothea Puentes' place. There was this guy called Chief. He was a well-known homeless man um, who Puentes would ask to do work around the house. And so neighbors saw him moving dirt away from the house. Um, and then they noticed the basement floor was covered in a concrete slab. And then he moved to the garage, removed dirt, and then put a concrete slab down. And then he disappeared. In 1988, a social worker comes looking for their client, Alberto Montoya, who is a disabled man who had schizophrenia, and they hadn't heard from him. They went to the house where his last address was, Dorothea Puentes' house, and they noticed some new soil on the ground. And so they decided to start digging, and they found a body of another victim named Leona Carpenter, who's 78. They then kept digging, and they found seven more bodies in her backyard. Wow. Initially, they didn't have enough to keep her on as a suspect, and Uh so they let her leave the premises, and she just fucking booked it and left for L.A. She then went to the bar, starts chatting with an old guy, you know, her type. And he recognized her from a TV being like, we're looking for this woman, Dorothea Puentes. And he recognized her and called her in. And then she was arrested. She was charged with a total of nine murders. Everson Gilmuth, the husband who was in the box. And then eight tenants who lived at the boarding house. Ruth Monroe, 61, the woman who said she was a suicide. Leona Carpenter, 78. Alvaro Bert Alberto Gonzalez Montoya, the one who the social worker was looking for, he was 51. Dorothea Mill, sorry, Dorothy Miller, 64. Benjamin Fink, 55. James Gallup, 62. Vera Faye Martin, 64. What's noteworthy about her is she was buried alive, they think, because <gasps> of the patterns of her oh, body. My God. And also her watch was still ticking when they took her out of the ground. Oh, my God. And then Betty Paul. What kind of watch? <laughs> I don't know. I'm amazed that Dorothea didn't fucking take it. Yeah. And Betty Palmer, who was 78, and she was buried without head, hands, or feet. <gasps> Why? No idea. Dorothea, that doesn't strike me as your MO. Totally. Her, what they say happened is she would drug them, suffocate them, and bury them. Why she chop off this person's stuff? I don't know. Part of me is wondering, was there... I don't know. I don't know. It never went into... It never elucidated. Okay. 
Is that the word I want to say? I don't know. I don't even know if it's a word. Sure, it was in a play I was in once. Mm, must be then. Right? And she's like a f- old woman. So they're like, how the hell did she bury all these holes? They claim she used sleeping pills, suffocated them, and then she hired folks to dig the holes. She collected, I think, over $87,000, and she spent some of the money on a facelift. How'd that go? Um, not as bad as others, but she still looks creepy as shit. Mm -hmm. I think she probably, it looks like she had medical or she had, um, permanent eyeliner on. Mm. And I think it's important to note sometimes eyeliner, great, great, great. But like that can go bad really quickly and that's on you forever. So the defense argued that she was this caring woman. They held up her, um, scholarships and donations and charities bullshit um it included they even brought her long-lost daughter i believe it was maybe like the first daughter that she gave to relatives who came and talked about how she was caring um they also said that the evil side that came out of her was the stress from helping her tenants she says that they all died naturally and that she buried them so as to avoid parole violations I wonder how that woman died naturally and lost her hands, feet, and head. Wild, huh? Seems like a crazy natural death. Totally. The jury deliberated for over a month. Oh my God, really? They were stuck 11 to 1. Who is this guy? Totally. And what happened was, is they said they wouldn't get the one guy to come over. So she was only found guilty on three of those murders. She was found... Guilty of two first-degree murders and one second-degree murder, which was the second-degree murder was Ruth Monroe, who had an overdose where she was in her care, OD'd, and she only got charged with second-degree murder, even though, like I said, she was too weak to even walk to get the medication at the time. The good news is, is with those two first-degree murders, it is by law that she serves a life sentence without parole. So she immediately was in jail, but it still sucks that these four other, I'm sorry, three, so six other people, there's no record of her killing them. Why? She was never convicted or guilty of it. She received life without parole. They call her the death house landlady. The boarding house in Sacramento is now, was included in the 2013 home tour and it's the subject of a 2015 documentary. There is some reports of some hauntings. I didn't find much about it, but house hunters or ghost hunters went to research. In 2011, at 82 years old, she died of natural causes. Well, then this is the time I will plug a Quibi show that you will never be able to watch because that is a defunct streaming service. (laughs) But apparently there was a show on Quibi where people would buy these houses with really sorted histories, probably any of our houses that we've talked about on here, but including this house, a family bought this boarding house and wanting to renovate it. And in, I think one of the articles I read, probably Wikipedia, the person who bought the house wanted somewhere where their kids could run around and play. And so they said in the article that there was a swing set placed where the bodies were once found. That swing set be swinging with no one on it. Right? So that's Dorothea Puentes. Wow, what a story. The death house landlady. 
But it's like we talk about these cases so long where it's the elderly and mentally ill and, you know, vulnerable people usually just go unfucking detected and these people can just wreak habit and kill them. People praying on the weak. Watch out for your fam, folks. Protect your weaklings. <laughs> and that's what we want to tell you. Protect your weaklings. That's not what I wanted is to tell you. Is that not what you wanted to tell you? Well, no. Is it like, wait, wait, oh my, is it a terminally ill illness? <laughs> <laughs> protect your elderly. Protect your children. Get those houses that have downstairs prisons and put your loved ones in those prisons. And keep them safe. And keep them safe in and those prisons. Just, and keep them safe. You we know like what? a Rapunzel situation. I can't win today. Everything I say, it's dead ending in something terrible. And I'm bound to look like a... <laughs> For the record, this, bad person. this episode is going to have to be edited to shit. Me. We're not coming off... If this Great. is somebody's first episode... We're fucked. Well, they're done. They're not becoming a patron. And they're mad at everyone who listens. Like, we're taking you down with us, dear readers. Listen, do we need... They're like, oh, you like that podcast? Those two girls are monsters. Monsters. Maybe we... Listen, we're going to cut Everything. We're going to cut everything. Let's just start over. Let's start over. Dorothea Fuentes. Okay. I'm going to tell a story that Jamie... By the way, somebody knew what I was going when I said... They knew. They knew. We've got feedback. Shockingly, they knew. (laughs) Shockingly. Jamie, um, our Patreon subscriber and very, very good friend, sent me this story and as a suggestion. And I said, you know what, Jamie? I'll do it. It's the highest compliment when Quinn takes a story. Me? Take them all. (laughs) (laughs) If Quinn takes your story, it's the highest praise. Well, yes, that's that's true. (laughs) Um, I did my research on Wikipedia, Country Road Magazine, all that's interesting in history of yesterday. This is the case of Bobby Dunbar. Do you know it? Sounds familiar. All right. Well, let me tell you. Robert Clarence, also known as a Bobby Dunbar, was born in Louisiana. His parents are Lessie and Percy, totally cute names together. Um, this all, uh, this birth story I'm telling you, this is a 1908 situation. Sending Back the scene. in the day. This is before Titanic even, so Can that's you how I know. It? It's, Which really happened. I don't know if you BT. heard. I'm sorry. Poor Brianna. In 1912, Bobby's four. Do okay. the math. And he has a little brother, and he and his brother and his parents go to Swayze Lake to take a fishing trip. Swayze do you, Lake? Do you picture... Dirty Patrick dancing. Swayze. You just picture him doing the lift in the water. Yeah, me I too. I picture just Patrick Swayze, just like it's the shape of his head with the beautiful cloth <laughs> of hair. Swayze Lake. Swayze Lake. Oh, R.I.P. We love you. Oh, love him. So that night, this is so sad. They're going to camp there and Bobby one wanders away and disappears. Can you imagine? No. It's the, oh, so they're panic attacking and they call the police and they form a search party not to be confused with the show Search Party. The show starring Elia Shawkat? Okay. The fourth season's terrible. Is it? It's so bad. I'm sorry. I know that's really sad for you. The search party goes to the lake and they're like, I think they have dogs or something that lead them there. And they decide maybe he fell in and drowned. He was only four years old. So guess what they start doing? Can they you tell start, me? you know what? 
Can I'm going to tell actually, you. Can you actually tell me what they started doing? Yeah, don't guess. I'll just tell you. They start catching alligators from the lake and dissecting them. No! Wait. No, 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 wait, no, no, wait, no, 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 It's no. actually crazier. No. But how? It gets crazier than catching alligators and dissecting them. They start throwing dynamite into the lake. What? Hoping it will eject the body from the water. It is 1912. They don't know what the fuck is going on. It feels like they're watching cartoons for ideas of what to do. <laughs> they're like, what should we do? Has anyone seen any good cartoons? And they're like, catch the alligators, throw dynamite in the water. Like, you guys are acting nuts. <laughs> so a few days pass and they actually find the hat Bobby was wearing and it's not near the lake. It's like more back in the wilderness. So now they're starting to wonder, maybe that's not what happened. Maybe he was taken. <sighs> they offer a $6,000 reward. Are you ready for what that was today? Billion dollars. 165000 It's a lot of money. He wandered in the fort. He wandered in by the lake. They're cutting open alligators and they're off. Okay. You're, wow. you're up to date. So after an eight-month search, they oh. find this guy, William Cantwell Walters. He works as a handyman, a piano repairman. I'm suspicious. Because <laughs> of the piano thing, it's right? It's the piano thing that got me. Yeah. Anyone who's just a handyman? How handy are you? Well, he's been traveling through Mississippi with a little boy who matches the description of Bobby. And so they are like, hey, is that Bobby? And Walters is like, no, 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 no. This is Charles Bruce Anderson. We call him Bruce. He's Bruce. actually the son of my friend, Julia Anderson. Julia Anderson, she's sort of my friend. She looks after my parents and she gave me custody of him. And so I've been traveling around with him. So they're like, we don't buy it. They arrest Walters and they call the Dunbars. And they're like, we need you to come to Mississippi and look at this boy that we found. In the meantime, that woman, Julia, mm -hmm. she's like, no, no, he's right. That is my kid. But her story is a little weird because she says that the guy Williams was like, can Bruce come with me on this trip? It's going to be a few days. And she said, sure, and sent him. But Bruce has now been with William for over a year and she never reported him missing. So her story is like, yeah, that's my son. But also this guy said he was going to have him for a few days and actually had him for a year. And she was fine with it. Yeah, her story just rubs them weird. It sounds weird. So the Dunbars come to see if this little boy is their Bobby. And what happens next, I'll be honest, not totally clear, because the press has come up with a couple different things, and I'm not sure right. if they're trying to make it like a more fun story and they're making things up or what the right. deal is, but we don't know. You know, this is the early 1900s. I'm not, I don't have anyone to ask you guys. Uh, one story is that this kid sees Leslie Dunbar, the mom, and shouts, Mother! And gives her a hug. Okay. Right away. The other account says, 
they Leslie sees the kid and that doesn't happen and that Leslie starts kind of crying and says I'm just not sure like I'm not sure if it's my son there's another account that says both Leslie and Percy the parents both say we're not sure if this is Bobby and that Percy said I don't know his eyes are smaller than Bobby's here's the thing folks Kogo's missing for a year. He would have been like about the same age. Koa's almost four. I sure as shit would fucking know Koa in a heartbeat one year later. The kid's not like Changing a completely different person. <laughs> you could dye his hair. You could give him a spray tan. You could give him my real housewife lashes. I would fucking you would know. know him. And I don't think I'm alone. I don't think I'm a, what do we call them? A super mom. A super mom. I'm not super mom, but I know him. I know my kid. Wow. So the newspapers also have different accounts of what happened when he's reunited with his little brother, Alonzo. Some say he knew him right away and that he hugged him. And others say he showed no signs of knowing who he was. And Alonzo didn't either. Here's what happens. Here's the thing. It's a better story for the press, I think. If the kid is like, I know you, you're my mom. Like, that's a a nicer story. We like that story. The, like, lukewarm... uh, Reception reception. is not what we want. It's And it's very off-putting, right? Totally. Um, In the end, it doesn't really matter what happened in those moments because we know what happened afterwards. Leslie, the mother, takes this kid home gives him a bath and says that she noted birthmarks on him that led her to understand it was her child. This was Bobby. Okay. So there are other people in town, though, definitely gossiping about all this happening and being like, so Leslie couldn't ID her own kid? She had to look at his birthmarks to know it was her kid? Like, people People think this is... Healthfully... Healthfully... People are skeptical. I also read that he had a big toe. Uh, He had a big toe. (laughs) Period. End statement. I also read that his big toe on his left foot was scarred from a burn when he was a baby. Mm -hmm. But that the burn was missing and she decided to overlook that. Who knows if that's true. The community was really fucking psyched, though, because they got this really uh, movie-style Hallmark movie resolution, and they have a fucking parade like you do because Bobby's been found. This little boy, they were so sad. The whole community was so sad about that story, and now, happy ending, he's been found. (laughs) You can imagine Julia Anderson is like, "Um, hey, Hold up, y'all. That's not Bobby. She shows up and they do another weird blind taste test with children. That sounds weird, but it's kind of what they did because they take five kids and they're like, here they are. Let's shuffle them around. And they're like, look at each boy and see if any of them react to you. And they show her each boy and each boy has no reaction to her presence, including Bobby or, or Bruce Bobby. or whoever. He has no reaction. She says, I don't know. 
just like the other mom. She's like, I don't know who my son is. I'm like, what's with this all these moms? Poor the child. No. This poor baby. Like, also, like, the poor kid, the person who's, like, hearing all this. Is here's, okay, here's what, here's my vibe on it. It's the early 1900s. How new were glasses and contact lenses? I mean, there were no contact lenses. There were glasses. I don't know when contact lenses were created. Did everybody just need glasses? Maybe. I like to think so, because this is really dark that everyone's like, I don't know. I have never really looked at my son that hard. Oh, my God. She also undresses this kid, who by now, like, that's getting a little weird, too. (laughs) (laughs) All of it is She looks at his birthmarks, and she's like, yep, these cross-check with Bruce, my son. This is Bruce. Everybody's stripping this kid in order to ID him. It's wild. But she's already, because she did the same shit that the other mom did, she loses the support of the public for not IDing him right away. And also for not reporting him missing when he went with this guy, Williams. For a year. So, oh, and then the public is also like, well, this woman, she can't be trusted. She has very loose morals. She had children out of wedlock. (gasps) The audacity. Julia's poor. She can't take anybody to court. She has, like, no options once no everyone turns against her. So Man. she just packs up and goes home. Oh, fucking hell. Then they have this kidnapping trial against that guy, uh, Walters. Mm-hmm. What is his name? Walter Matthau. William <laughs> Walters. <laughs> Walter Matthau. They have a kidnapping trial against I already forgot his name again. William Walters. What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's so... We are... This is a fun one. <laughs> Aye. All right. <gasps> There's a kidnapping trial <gasps> against Walters. And they're like, he took this kid. So now Julia has to come out of the woodwork again because she has to be like, you guys, this guy didn't kidnap a kid again. I gave him to him. I. It was my kid and I gave it to him. That was my kid, Bruce. He was just overdue to return. The library book. Yes. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. William and that little boy spent a bunch of time in Poplarville. Everyone in the town got to know them pretty well. And a bunch of people now come forward to say, actually, I'm pretty sure I saw the two of them together before Bobby ever went missing. Despite this, the court rules that it's Bobby. And Walters is convicted of kidnapping. And the little boy gets sent to live with the Dunbars. And he lives the rest of his life as Bobby Dunbar. So Julia, because she had to go to town for the trial and stuff, she actually ends up getting close to some of those people in Poplarville. Probably because they believe her. So, like, there's some sort of, like, sympathy going there. So she ends up moving to Poplarville. And she has, like, a totally full life there. She's a nurse. She's a midwife. She belongs to the church. She ends up having seven fucking kids. But she always has this kind of hole in her heart where she's like, my son Bruce was never returned to me. And it almost feels like a money situation where this better off family mm. got to keep her son and it she feels like they kidnapped him a little bit totally well the system kidnapped him from her yeah and meanwhile bobby grows up uh bobby dunbar he's in this kind of wealthy he's a fucking pony 
So And William Walters is sitting in jail. Well, here's what happens to him. He serves two years of his prison term for kidnapping, and then his attorney is actually successful in appealing it. Mm-hmm. And he gets a new trial, and they do end up releasing him. He, for his whole life, will maintain his innocence. Right. The boy we know is Bobby Dunbar <clears throat> grows up, gets married, has four kids of his own, and dies of heart disease at 57, which was in 1966. Everyone tells him, obviously, these stories about his crazy past, but he never really seems to doubt that he ended up in the right place. After he dies, though, his granddaughter, Margaret Dunbar Cutright, starts her own investigation. She starts kind of poking it around because she also agrees with him, like, you are Bobby Dunbar, but... It's so weird, this legacy. Let's put it to rest. And at this time, when did DNA come out? It's out-ish. When she starts poking into it, it's out. So that's where this American life also comes in. They did an episode dedicated to the case and kind of more specifically to her doing this investigation. And Hollis, one of Julia Anderson's sons, Mm -hmm. he says on this episode that in 1944... Bobby Dunbar visited him at his place of business and they talked and his sister kind of recounts a similar thing. Jules talks about a guy that she thinks was Bobby Dunbar coming to her work and talking to her for an extended period of time. I think he wasn't admitting to the public. I have my doubts, but but he did have his doubts and he did want to know where he came from. And he was kind of poking around it. Just, he wasn't doing it very publicly. Well, that makes sense. One, because he probably, grew to love his parents and like they he had a whole life with them if any of his family found out i'm sure they would be upset but there's just like this feeling of like if i have a brother or sister out there maybe i would know them just by going and watching them or talking to them so he kind of like i think he would show up and have these talks where he'd want to know margaret is actually of the opinion that the real bobby dunbar fell into swayze lake and was maybe drowned or eaten by an alligator um, her family. So she went forward with the idea she was going to prove he's Bobby Dunbar. Mm-hmm. And she actually ends up feeling the opposite after she looks into it. Mm. Her family is not thrilled because I think it's fucking with everybody's identity and sense of self because they're all Dunbars, right? Totally. Her parents, her siblings, whatever. Right. But. I think Julia Anderson and William Walter's family and their legacy, the people they've left behind, are really appreciative she does this because... It's a stain on their... Yeah, they kind of need to be like, feel like they should be exonerated. And also, not just exonerated, that maybe applies more to But I think given Walters. grace, it sounds like that they were maligned in the press and like they were set out to be evil people. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case if this is... Their kid. Well, so in 2004, Margaret requests her dad to undergo DNA testing, Bobby Dunbar Jr. Mm-hmm. And it shows that he is not related by blood to his cousin Alonzo Dunbar's son. That means it wasn't Bobby. Did they he, it test wasn't Bobby the, Dunbar. Did they test the Anderson side of the family, that DNA? Um, it's never been proven that he's Bruce. 
But that's where I'd lay my chips if I was a betting man. Well, I'm surprised that the Anderson family, like Hollis, is all for exonerating. And wouldn't they be related if they took DNA from Bobby Dunbar Jr. and the son of, like, they would be brothers. Or no, they would be um, aunts, uh, uncles and cousins. I'm not following. So, okay, if if Bobby, okay, so Bobby Dunbar, Bobby Dunbar Jr., he's related to his father, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not related to Alonzo's kid. They would be. Their they blood would, would be, be the same Dunbar, blood. A Dunbar. However, the Anderson side, why they aren't we... didn't t- test it. Why aren't... Like, that to me is the most suspect, which is like, why aren't they testing it? That would be so fucking easy, because it seems like they're in on it, too. I mean, I'm sure that's who he is. I don't think anyone doubts that that's who he is. I don't think it's a mystery who he is. He's Bruce. That's what everyone said, and that's who he is. That's really sad. I, that part's not a mystery. What is a mystery is what happened to the real Bobby Dunbar. We still don't know. Totally. Um, there's this, like, totally crazy conspiracy theory vibe that are the, the parents, the Dunbars, killed Bobby. Of and course. that for them to not, to, like, escape a lawsuit, they said their child was missing. And then when this kid popped up, they went along with it to further examine. That is, there's yeah. so many yeses to that that I just can't. That I, There's like, also witnesses that'll come forward saying they saw a man carrying Bobby that day, like, out of the forest. Who knows is the truth. I think he probably drowned. I go with what Margaret says. She did the work. Yeah. We're just doing a book report. But if you guys are interested, I guess there's a... I know I listen... Here's the truth. I listened to the This American Life on it years ago when it came out before yeah. looking into this case again. I'm going to re-listen to it now that I did some research on the case because I'm sure I'd find it even more fascinating. But if you guys want to listen, um, give it a go, you know? It's so sad. It's really fucking sad. Because yeah. it's like this, I and this poor kid, I mean, it seems like he had a fine life. and But the real Bobby Dunbar, who never got any justice or resolution, oh, God, that's dark. Well, yeah, I think the person I feel for the most is Julia. She lost a kid. And she watched the The world world. say, it's not your kid and this couple gets to raise him. gaslighting, like, to the thousandth degree. I'm also really interested in the psychology of the Dunbars taking that kid in because you cannot convince me that they thought it was their child. I know that they didn't. And I wonder if they lied to each other all those years and yeah. both pretended to actually think it was Bobby because it healed their wound. Or if they like ever had a night where they were together, those two parents, Percy and Lessie, and just if they turned to each other and were like, that's obviously not Bobby. Like, I mean, I think also grief can make you do crazy things, crazy things where I think like they might not necessarily as much as, it, they maybe knew deep down it wasn't their kid. The possibility of it won out. Mm-hmm. And once that child was there, they loved him like it was their own. And I'm sure he was loved. And I, I, by all accounts, he had a very happy childhood and upbringing. Um, I just... Uh, it's really heartbreaking because it's like, no, these, that kid should belong I just wonder if the parents were play acting all that time to each other, keeping up this ruse that this is, 
this is our child when they had to have both known it was not. It wasn't. Ugh. Ugh. And then you go, when the fact that I really believe they knew that, and they had this other woman raising her hand saying, that is my kid, that is my kid. And they, and they were like, her. we're keeping him. That's dark. That's sad. That's sick. That's like and a just whole other level of... Mind-boggling. All these people going, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what? I just like, my heart goes out to the kid who, I mean, he was four or five. But there was a time where people are going, I don't know. Like, that has to do something to you. Of like all these people who are supposed to love you. Like, I mean, listen. It was Here's the good news. Everybody wanted him. Yeah. No one was going, never seen eh. that guy before in my life. <laughs> eh, hard pass. Ugh, well. Wild story, right? Crazy wild journey. Thanks for taking me on it. Yeah, you're welcome. So that's all? <laughs> I mean, that's the whole podcast. We, you do Usually you do a story. And then, and then I do I a do story, story yeah. and then there's sort of like this awkward period of by the um, way, you just winding listen, down. By the way, you just listened to Truly. Darkly. Gravely. And the people you were listening to were Quinlan Posner. And the other person is Carrie Ipema. That's who you heard just now. <laughs> That's who you just heard. And we just said our names are associated with who's speaking. If this is your first episode, give us another try, would you? Just stick with us it's okay it gets better maybe it doesn't but it doesn't get worse 